Welcome to Playmakers Talk Show, where business owners, professionals, and entrepreneurs gather to discover playmaking ideas for success. Your host is internationally recognized speaker, facilitator, and author, Steve Klein, who sits down with fascinating playmakers who have made themselves and their company successful. Steve will introduce you to CEOs and executives who discuss their playmaking path toward success. And now, it's time to meet this show's playmaker. Here's your host, Steve Klein. Anthony Hitt said, To be successful in real estate, you must always and consistently put your client's best interests first. When you do, your personal needs will be realized beyond your greatest expectations. Welcome to Playmakers Talk Show. I'm Steve Klein. In the studio today is a guest who puts his clients and his people's best interests first. Today's playmaker began working at the age of seven in a butcher shop with his dad in Brazil. With us today is a CEO whose company has acquired a total transaction volume of close to $750 million. This great playmaker is Carlos Vaz. Carlos is co-founder and CEO of Conti Real Estate Investments. Now, Carlos's passion, discipline, and creativity coupled with his extensive real estate experience have yielded a portfolio of over 1,400 units his first year in the multifamily business and has been involved in over $400 million of real estate transactions. The Conti organization is a multifamily real estate investment and asset management company founded in 2008, which specializes in value-added multifamily investments in Dallas-Fort Worth. Comprised of a team with over 100 years of professional experience, Conti specializes in acquiring multifamily properties in targeted cities throughout Texas, then improving those properties to maximize their value and cash flow potential. Conti currently owns 21 multifamily communities in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, including approximately 6,000 units under management and over 4.75 million square feet of rentable space. Since they were founded in 2008, Conti has acquired a total of 30 properties worth a total transaction volume approaching $750 million. Well, we have a lot to talk about. Carlos, welcome to Playmakers Talk Show. Well, thank you. Very happy to be here today. Well, you were almost the baby of your family. Tell us what life was like in a family of nine children in Brazil. Um, it was amazing. I, I think when I look at back to my childhood, and um, we didn't have that much growing up, right? My father was a butcher and a farmer. My mom, a homemaker. So being the number eight of nine, we we're always working. So that's a, that's the concept of my life, right? My dad used to come to my room at 4 a.m., knock only once at the door. I would look at my younger brother and say, I better get up because if he comes back, he's going to get you first. <laughs> and um, the whole idea, right? I think that working together as a family, the more we help each other, the more we're able to f- finish our chores and go help dad. And um, that was the idea of, of working a, a big family. Because of that, you were the eighth of nine children. All your siblings uh, that were older than you also were working too. So you knew that was going to be your life, and you probably developed a very strong work ethic at a young age. Is that correct? Yeah, that's uh, my dad used to say. Uh, he used to say all the time, uh, none of my kids are lazy, and the son, you have to work hard, get used to it. So it, it's a... Uh, if it's hot, if it's cold, bad for the weather. We're going to be working. It doesn't matter what. So the work ethic, I mean, was, was part, is, is our DNA, is who we are. So you learned farming. 
you learned a little bit about uh, being in a in a butcher shop when you uh, when you started. What impact then did both your parents have on you? Because you said your father mm-hmm. would knock on your door one time to wake you up and go to work. How about your mother? My mom is just that kind soul. My mom is. I think any good mom uh, is just a, you're trying to do the best for your kids, right? They have the special connection. So my mom was just that humble soul, just being there. I said, "How can I help you, son?" So my mom would be the one that, if there's not enough food on the table, she'll make sure that she, you eat first before she she's she's gonna eat. That would be my mom. Well, that kind soul is, correct me if I'm wrong, the soul of this organization because you named your company after your mother's maiden name. Is that correct? Yes. No, that's correct. I it was uh, way back, and I was talking to my mom over the phone. I said, Mom, as you know, I'm going to – I read have dad's last name. I need to find a way to carry over your, your last name as well. Then I named the company after her. I think that's a great name for your company. I think your, okay. your mother is very proud of what you did because of that. You were in Brazil. You were growing up. You worked mm-hmm. uh, most of your childhood. What brought you to the United States? It's um, At first, I think it was almost by an accident. Uh, by an accident because um, none of my brothers, they actually finished high school. I'm very thankful to one of my sisters. She was had a big influence over me. Always saying, doesn't matter what happened try to stay in school right and just listen to her and it was to me it was very uh very helpful then what i did uh kind of end up going to law school and, uh, and why law school what what was law, what did law mean to you at that time at first when i was look at law I, I was thinking about international law maybe the dynamic maybe something that could be that's something i could relate um then i got accepted to go to law school in brazil yet during the first year, they went on a strike. <laughs> Something that happens a lot over there. And uh, we had a strike for almost four months. That drove me crazy because I was working my whole life, even when I was going to college. I have other jobs. During the second year, we had another strike. I believe it was about two months. And in my mind, it's going to take forever. What am I going to do? I went online looking for any place that would take, was able to do any type of internship. I ended up finding an office in Boston. They hire interns. I send them an email. They reply, going back and forth. And they said, Carlos, would you like to have you over? Well, that's a big decision. First of all, um, I don't have any family in the U.S. or Boston, for that matter. Second, it's expensive. I, I All my savings, I can buy a ticket. Uh, but if I need money, my family will join the club. We all need money. Um, yet I had that gut feeling with me, and I thought I, I thought it was maybe it was God talking. I said, "Listen, you have to go." And then um, I put my things together. I went to Boston with three hundred dollars in my pocket. Uh, my my first place was this attic that I was able to rent for three fifty. So my P and L was negative day one. Uh, work at the law office as an intern. You don't get paid. So you hope that in the afternoon you're going to go to another office. They have a lot of cookies, so you can eat some of those. So with that, my first job was actually a newspaper warehouse from 2 a.m. to 6, load and load trucks, going to the law office from 8 to 3, work at TGI Fridays over the weekend, and going to school during the night. So that's how, how I ended up coming to the U.S., and that was the beginning of everything. 
You worked a lot. You were uh, focused on maintaining yourself and learning law. Mm -hmm. But your life changed as you were doing all that and moved you into real estate. Tell us what happened that moved you from law to real estate. What was the situation or the individual that that moved you toward uh, uh, the land business? Sure. Um, I think that was interesting because I can. it's almost 18 years in the U.S. now, and I can point real estate in throughout these 18 years. So when I was working at the law office, a lot of the things they used to do was real estate law. So I'm, oh, that's interesting. These people are buying this house or buying that land and selling. Um, this person's making money. This person's losing money. It's interesting to see and was very fascinating to me because of the dynamic. I said, well, this is an amazing business. It was the first time I got introduced to that. Um, so that was just the, the, the small taste that, that I got. Then in Boston, uh, you have a huge Brazilian community, which I didn't know. People would come to me and say, Carlos, since you speak the language, why don't you get in, what into construction? Because you can go there, we can talk to them, I can do the work for you. And I said, nope. Uh, I want to make sure that I know what you're going to be doing because my name is going to be involved. I think name is by far the biggest currency someone can have. Right? Deals are going to come and go, but name is everything. Then make a long story short, start working for a construction company, doing all the labor job, became kind of sister carpenter, then eventually a carpenter. And that's how I created my first company, which was Conti Construction. We do small jobs. The idea is just doing small jobs and, and maybe a window to install, maybe a door to install. But I do believe that everything you do in life of integrity with, uh, I mean, trying to do the right thing, always the right thing, eventually it's going to grow. It might take a little bit longer, and that small thing starts growing. Another friend of mine approached me and said, Carlos, I'm, I work in the mortgage business, so typically when someone buy a house, they're going to do some renovation. So you know a lot of people, so why don't you send to me anyone who wants to buy a house, and I can do the renova- uh, you can do the renovation, I do the loan for them. I said, well, that's interesting, yet I want to learn. Can you teach me how to put mortgage together? I said, sure. I have no problem. So with that in mind, that's how I started learning about mortgages. And then the second company came to fruition, which is the Conti Group, just to flipping homes. Then from early 05 to early 2007, I did about 30 houses in the greater Boston area, moving very fast. But came 2007, it was too good to be true. Every single person was trying to do exactly the same. Boston, very different from Dallas today, that I can look at data was not growing. So in my business, the worst, if I had to rent the house, my rent would not cover that mortgage. So it's more like, this is insane. If I have seven houses, I have seven negative homes that I'm the one paying. So this is, get out of the business. I started selling everything that I had. By May of 2007, I was out. That's when I started learning about commercial real estate, about apartments and how to put them together taking other classes, like CCIM is an unbelievable organization. I'm a huge fan. Um, so I started taking a lot of their classes. And with that in mind, that's how uh, I saw, because you look in 2007, two states growing fast, North Carolina and Texas. That's how I ended up coming to Texas. So it was a choice between either one, and you made the right choice. Yes. <laughs> and, and you focus primarily on the Dallas-Fort Worth area, is that correct? Uh, yes, that's correct. And it's all multifamily. Only multifamily. You came to Dallas, uh, it sounds like, 
clean and free. You sold everything in Boston, mm-hmm. and you were able to start uh, anew. Did you begin immediately in multifamily when you came to Dallas? Yeah, when I moved to Dallas, right, I moved to Dallas officially in September of 2007. Uh, I moved here, I, I, I say all the time, right, I came to Dallas and I said that I got the Texas bug. Uh, Texas, unbelievable state. I love the state. This is home. Uh, I, I really, I think that the way to do business, the way, how can you do something together? Um, I, I love a lot about the state. So officially moved him in September with the idea I'm going to do multifamily or multifamily. The whole, the, you're gonna, I'm going to burn my bridge or I'm going to burn my ships and they don't know how to swim. Either I move forward or move forward. Uh, but at the same time, I mean, you need to start networking. Start networking, getting to know the market, getting to know the players, getting to know real estate brokers. I had my first deal on the contract was the last week of December of 2007. Was a 280 units, and that stage I didn't have enough all the money and everything. I knew I was putting this good deal on the contract. I put it in a contract, and now we need to make it happen. Um, I don't have the equity. I don't have the debt. I don't have the management company. It was really by the la- almost the last three weeks of March of 08 that I was able to do a partnership with another group. They came in last minute. Um, there was 99 and one. We all know who got the one, but. I strongly believe that, like Napoleon Hill said, right? you work for the knowledge, you don't work for the money. Sure, uh, let's do this together. Start working, and how can I help you? How can I start learning? In less than two weeks, they turn back to me and say, Carlos, let's do this again. I say, sure, let's do this again. Then from March of uh, 2008 to September of 2008, we ended up buying almost 1,400 units, seven projects, we're moving too fast. And I said, hey, time out, time out, because it's, you don't have any finance available. At that time, I was getting to a point that I can start doing things on my own. Uh, Stuart and I, Stuart became my partner later. Uh, we met at a conference in October of 2007. We kept in touch. And the joke was, every time Stuart was calling me, Carlos, what are you doing? I said, Stuart, I'm busy. I'm closing another deal. And next month, what are you doing? I'm busy. I found another deal. Next month, I found another deal. I said, hold on a second. Let's have some coffee. And Stuart and I sp- started pen- spending time together. I believe that perhaps the most important decision you're going to do in your life on the business side, it's not to create a business. It's to identify the right business partners. And Stuart and I, we start talking together, and we have this unbelievable relationship, this unconditional trust, different ways of approaching something. Kind of if I go left and he goes right, or he goes right and go left, but with the same integrity. We close our first deal, and if I myself now... Almost 8,000 units later, we sold some, and that's part of our, our story. So let's talk, just jump ahead 10 years, because yes. that was 2008. Now we're in uh, 2018. Yes. Tell us what you do, exactly okay. what you do in the multifamily business. Sure. In our multifamily, on the multifamily side, concert organization, we buy existing properties in the greater Dallas area. If you look in the U.S. in general, the, the number one issue in the U.S. is affordability. Affordability has become a big issue. I mean, maybe to rent. So we're very focused on something that's affordable. So if you look in Dallas, we want to buy more, having rents between $800 to $1,300 per month. So we're buying properties that between 150 units all the way to 500 units. So that we're going to buy those properties because we believe we can create value in three ways. 
one through our man management style we're extremely hands-on we self-manage from a to z it's us we're also going to create value exterior how we do the improvements on the side and the third one how we do the renovations inside of those units what can you do inside of these units to create value and it's never what i want or what someone else wants it's always what the tenant is willing to pay so that's the most important thing so that's where we're going to be buying this property. That's going to be part of our uh, of our portfolio. It's really important every property that we touch, they need to qualify for a Fannie Mae loan. We're extremely risk averse. My in that three mile range, my median household income has to be above fifty thousand, and I need to have cash flow day one. So uh, I mean, knock on wood, we never lost any equity for any investors. So discipline is very important to us, and this idea of having these monthly distributions. It's really important as well. Um, and our track record, if I don't look at the deals that we sold, just look at the existing deals from a way to now, if someone has invested with us, probably a return is about 12%. Um, but it's just buying good properties in good locations and become good stewards for them. But yet, I believe that, that our, our biggest strength is based on three things. The company culture, our people, in our process because at the end of the day we can all be in the same industry right you can be in the medical sale I can be in real estate that would be that's just the product but at the heart and soul of that you have people right but the biggest asset of any company is the right people because if you have the right people you're able to combine execution and process we're, I'm, I'm really crazy about company culture. I believe that's, uh, that's the heart and soul. That's how you mitigate risk, yet at the same time, that's, that's how you create outstanding value. I want to talk about the culture in a moment, but you mentioned discipline yes. and processes and your people. What interests me is the fact that you put together these processes, and should you have a property, you lay your process down on top of it. Mm -hmm. If it fits the process, you do the deal. Yes. If it doesn't, you walk away. You walk away from it. How and else? that helps you make decisions because you've made them before you go into it. Mm -hmm. So it's not a problem at that point. No. I want to talk about your people, too. I'm looking at the Conti core values, and you have five of them there. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to go through all, all five of those, but as you were talking, it's really all about your people. Now that you have the process in place, mm -hmm. you know exactly what you're doing. You're focused, and we talked about that yes. before the show started. Talk about why it's all about the people i can talk for hours about that it's indeed all about the people because how are you going to define the execution right there's there's the saying people are not afraid of your ideas they're afraid of your capacity to execute period that's hands down but now how can you find the right people so for us inside of the company there's a bunch of we do a personnel assessment how can you find the right person that fits the culture of the company Someone that I, I, I like him a lot, John Wooden. John Wooden has an unbelievable saying, right? I can always teach someone basketball. I can never teach anyone character. So if you look at the idea, it's not cliche at the end of the day. Integrity, our first core value, right? So when you, have the, when you find this person that, hey, I'm part of this company that they trust me. I'm part of this company that I can challenge anyone inside of the company. I can challenge the CEO. I can challenge, I can challenge the CFO as long as I have a good case, right? So listen, I, I don't think your idea is good enough. Let me tell you why. 
no one is going to take that personal. Completely the opposite. Please. And I do believe that you do a good hire when your hire makes you feel uncomfortable. And say, whoa, this person we just hired, have you seen his behavior? Have you seen how he's, how he's really playing at his best? I believe that if you take the time to find the right people, your execution is more predictable. And you have, and above that, you have the discipline to question, to say, you know what, based on this process, this property does not qualify because at the end of the day, if you, in my industry, right, if I start doing financial engineering to make deals work, I, sh- I need to get out of the business. Well, what I heard is, as I mentioned before, you have the processes for looking at properties. This is what you do, and if it doesn't fit, you walk away. Yes. Now, I also understand you now have processes to find the right people. Mm-hmm. If that does, person doesn't fit, both of you walk away. Yes. And it doesn't, you know exactly what you're doing, exactly mm-hmm. who you're looking for, and it's like pieces of a puzzle. If that piece doesn't fit, you don't hire them. If they fit, you know you have a great individual with sure. your people. And the last one of your of your five values is pursue growth and learning. Mm-hmm. So not only are you finding the right person, you continue to develop them also. Is that correct? Oh, hands down. And not only them, but myself. I, I think that uh, I always look at myself and how can I become, I never say a better boss. I think that's just cliche. How can I become a better person? Because I believe that if I take the time to make myself a better person, I'm not going to only become a better person, a better, you can say boss, you can say a better husband, um, a, a better friend, everything that I touch. But, it, but if I look at my people, of course I want them to develop. We, we have a, it's very hard for someone to, to work for Conti. Uh, it's an average of about 300 resumes today until find one person I can, can fit in. Because uh, a lot of checks, right? At the end of the day, we're always looking for, um, do you fit our culture? Not how how bright you are. We're very focused on Patrick Lencioni. I'm a huge fan. Like five dysfunction of a team, right? You have trust. Then you have healthy conflicts. Then you have commitment. Then you have accountability. Then you have great results. But in order to have this working, you also need, based on his book as well, the, the ideal team player, right? How can you find people that they're humble, they understand that I don't know it all, yet they're also hungry, they want to learn, right? And then they're smart. Not that you're smart, that you know more than everybody else. At the end of the day, no one wants to work with a jerk, but emotionally smart. How can it work together? So it's very important for us when you come work for Conti, there's a Conti training program. Among them, there's the Dale Carnegie that you have to take. If you're on the financial side, there's some Excel programs that you wanted to go through. There's always leadership, leadership classes, anything that I can see that you can become better. Because everyone inside of this office, we believe, how can I become better and how can I make someone, you can call it under me, become greater too. And again, I hear that you've developed these processes. You know exactly what has to happen. But one of the last questions I want to ask you is challenges you've faced. Mm-hmm. We talked before the, uh, the show started about uh, sometimes people say, well, that person's lucky. They were an overnight success. Well, you're an overnight success 18 years in the, in the making. <laughs> what was the biggest challenge that you faced on your way to developing what is now the Conti organization? I think the the biggest challenge is when you look within, right? The biggest challenge, and uh, I need to quote Lou Holtz, 
unbelievable, <laughs> unbelievable coach, right? So many things to learn from him. And uh, he said the day he was at Notre Dame, right? Going to balls all the time. And wow, this coach and this guy is amazing. The, the problem that he had when he was at the top was complacency. So success can very easily become a double-edged sword. So if you look at our second core value is excellence. We believe that we're never at the top. There's always another step. How can you go up? So our biggest challenge is making sure that we, we, we don't let our own ego to get in the way. That's our biggest challenge. Our biggest challenge is that we say that we know enough. Oh, we, we already know everything. And I joke in this office. I say, listen, I think, guys, we're like Wendy's. Our patties are square. We don't cut corners. So it's very important, that one. When I look at challenge is a lot of the challenge within. Because our biggest competitor, we meet the, our competitor every day when you look at the mirror. We are our biggest competitor. So we cannot be complacent. We can always look for ways to improve. And we should always be willing to get feedback, even the negative ones. And negative feedback helps you figure out where to go by changing directions. Wonderful discussion. You've really developed something valuable. It's not just Conti organization real estate. It's Conti organization people. So tell everybody how they can find out more about the Conti organization. Um, you can go to your website, uh, contiorg.com. Um, that's the best way to uh, uh, to get more information about us. And you can find me on my uh, LinkedIn, just Carlos Vaz, uh, V-A-Z, and uh, just look me up. Well, Carlos, this is absolutely wonderful. Uh, you are definitely a playmaker, and a playmaker is somebody that makes things happen. You are definitely making things happen in the real estate field and with your people. Congratulations. Well, thank you very much, Steve. Very nice talking to you. Well, this has been a terrific show. We just spoke with Carlos Vaz. Carlos is the co-founder and CEO of Conti Real Estate Investments. It's been great having Carlos on the show, and thanks to all of you for listening and joining us. Join us again at PlaymakersTalkShow.com where you can get all of our past episodes. That's PlaymakersTalkShow.com, and we're going to be back with more Playmakers. See you then. You've been listening to Playmakers Talk Show with Steve Klein. Join Steve again at PlaymakersTalkShow.com for more interviews with interesting and successful playmaking CEOs and executives.